You're listening to audio from Calvary Gravenhurst in Muskoka, Ontario. For more resources or to connect with someone in the church, please visit calvarygravenhurst.com. This week's sermon is taught by lead pastor Benjamin Emery. Good morning, everyone. Great to see you. I'll encourage you to pick up a Bible. Pick up your Bible. Pick up the one in the seat in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, take that one in the seat in front of you as our gift to you. And open it up to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. This is going to be our main um, verses, verses 25 to 31. So you can keep the Bible open uh, to follow along. Make notes. All the supporting verses will be up on the screen as well. While you're turning there, I just want to encourage you men to sign up, uh, not this Monday, but the next Monday. We're going to have an awesome time. I've got uh, one last thing that God has put on my heart to say to you men, and I know you're horrible at signing up, so I'm reminding you again to sign up. It takes about 10 seconds. Um, Your wife can do it for you if you haven't mastered that ability yet. It's going to be an awesome time. We're going to blow up some stuff. We're going to have big fires. It's just going to be an amazing uh, time at the Regan's farm, even though they don't know we're blown up yet. Acts chapter 20, verse 25 to 31. This is Paul's message. Uh, he's telling the Ephesians this is his last um, face-to-face uh, with the church in Ephesus, and he is, he's wrapping up some important things he has to say to them. Let's pick it up. And now I know that none of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. Because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for the flock which the Holy Spirit has appointed you overseers. To shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For I know that upon my departure savage wolves will come in among you. Not sparing the flock. Men will rise up even from your own number to distort the truth. To lure the disciples into following them. Therefore... Be on the alert, remembering night and day for three years that I never stopped warning each one of you with tears. Well, let's pray. Well, God, this is every time I get up here, it's, a, it's such a great honor, and uh, yet uh, that I know our time uh, is uh, running out. It is... Uh, bitter as well. It's a great pleasure and great honor to stand in front of your people and to proclaim your truth as it's written. And so I pray that you would help me, a simple man, to um, preach Paul's message to the church. I pray that uh, this church, uh, those who call Calvary their home, uh, those who are committed to following Jesus Christ, uh, would hear the message of Paul, of Jesus and would heed it, uh, that they would understand uh, the world isn't all nice. Not everyone that comes in is sent from God. I pray that we would uh, come together as a unified church, as a, as a military uh, protecting the sheep, soldiers protecting the innocent. 
And we want to do it for your glory, Jesus. So help us in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, for me, because of my experiences, uh, death has always been on the forefront of my life. I, I know that at some point, uh, it may be a year down the road, it may be 10 years, it may be uh, 30 years down the road. At some point, I am going to leave this earth. And it's most likely going to be which I don't expect it to happen. Uh, and so, so I, I want to tell and I want to live uh, in a way and, and tell the people in my life uh, that how much they mean to me. I want to tell them the important things. I, I don't want to wait until the very end and, and try and tell them. I want to be telling them today um, what really matters in life, what's on my heart so that it will be burned into their mind. I'm actually uh, writing on, working on, have been for a while, letters to my children um, because uh, most likely uh, and hopefully I will go before them and Rebecca and I around the same time. But the, the things that I'm talking to them about now, I'm writing down in these letters uh, so that when I die, they'll read these letters and remember what their father said was most important in life, and, and one of those things that I remind my kids is, is that we have an appointment, and not to miss that appointment that we have together. We have an appointment in heaven, me and them, and, and it, I don't want them to miss that. I want them to keep seeking Christ all their life so that we don't miss that appointment that we have to see each other in heaven, and, and, and Paul has a message that he's telling the Ephesian church something that's been burning on his heart for three years it appears he's been telling them over and over and over and getting them ready for the reality that he's leaving soon and they're never going to see him again and, and when they think of Paul he wants them to remember some specific things he's pleading with them it seems he wants them to remember that there are some bad people who are going to be coming in and out of them. And you know, there's uh, four kinds of uh, people that I, I often uh, think of in the church, uh, most likely. Uh, there are uh, the sheep, uh, which is a, a common illustration that uh, God gives. There are the shepherds, uh, Jesus being the chief shepherd. Um, I, right now, have been the lead shepherd of this church, and, and the elders are, are other shepherds. And there are the wolves. And then there's this fourth uh, title that I've, uh, we don't see in Scripture, but, but I see glimpses of it, and I call them the sheepdogs. And we talked about that at one of the ready men. It was the sheep. And, you know, we're all a sheep in, in some way, shape, or form in, in different areas of our life. A sheep is, is really unable or unequipped or, or vulnerable in some way, shape, or form. Uh, they, they've got a, a blind spot or a weakness. And, you know, we've all got a little bit of sheep in us, if we're, if we're honest. Some of us uh, uh, are, are not uh, uh, with it physically as much as others. Some of us are, are not mentally uh, able to understand the things that other people have. Some of us are not spiritually as strong as other people. We're all in some way or sh shape or form sheep. Sheep following the shepherd. But there are this group that Paul warns them of called the wolves. Now the wolves' main purpose is to destroy the sheep. He warns them in verse 29. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Uh, 
You know, there's wolves everywhere in the world. We see them. They're all over the place. And, and maybe if you travel to a, a third world country, you can see it a little more. It's a, it's a little more in your face than it is here. Uh, but there's wolves, lots of wolves in this country too. They're oftentimes in the shadows, uh, lurking in criminal elements that you don't necessarily see. There's a reason why you don't go out at night and walk the dark alleys because you know that the wolves might be out. But there's wolves in businesses too. There's wolves in governments too. And sometimes there are wolves in churches. Satan sends them specifically. They have a, a task. And Paul seems to know that as he, the, the lead shepherd, is, is getting ready to leave the Ephesian church, that God has told them there are wolves that are coming in, and there are wolves that are already amongst them. Jesus told the disciples in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, he says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves. This is a common uh, language throughout the New Testament. And so, in a time like this church is going through, in a transition period, in a, in a time when we're a little more vulnerable, the wolves will most likely make their move. A tactic in warfare is to observe an enemy position. And you want to watch for patterns. And one of the patterns you want to watch is the changing of the guards. Uh, because just before, in the hour or two before a changing of the guards, that's often the most vulnerable time for that fortification. Because the people have been on shift, they're looking forward to getting off of shift, they're not necessarily thinking about the task of guarding and watching for enemy. And so if an enemy is going to strike... It's often a couple hours before the changing of a guard. And so Paul knows, and we have to be aware, that we might be sleeping and not seeing wolves that are coming in. Jesus gives a, a parable. Uh, maybe you've heard of it, the parable of the wheat and the tares in Matthew 13, verse 24. He says, he presented another parable to them. He said, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in the field. But while the people were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and left. Then the plants sprouted up and produced grain. Then the weeds also appeared. The landover's servants came to him and said, master, didn't you sow good seed in the field? Then where did these weeds come from? An enemy did this, he told them. An enemy did this. And, and Satan wants to destroy churches. He, he loves to destroy churches. More than he loves to destroy, destroy secular institutions, he loves to destroy churches. And he wants this church. And notice that uh, Paul warned in 29, they're, they're coming in. But then in verse 30, look what he says. Men will rise up, even from your own Number. That's a kind of a scary thought. Like we get the, the person that might come into the church looking to hurt the people. Uh, but it's a much scarier thought to think there are people in the church already. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Foreign agents. Spies sent here by the evil one. 
Notice he, he speaks of the same language as Jesus did, had in the previous verses. Uh, when you were sleeping, the enemy came in and planted people. And you can't always assume that when a new person walks into a church or that everyone in a church is actually a follower of Jesus Christ. For those of you old enough uh, to remember the Bugs Bunny and Tweety show, who remembers that? Right, I remember that. I, I re- remember watching that growing up. Uh, there was one of the skits that they played was uh, Ralph and Sam. Now, Ralph was uh, the sheep dog, and Sam was the coyote, um, or the other way around. I can't quite remember. Uh, but the coyote was always trying to sneak in and steal the sheep, and and uh, Ralph was the sheep dog that would be watching out for him. And so he would put on a sheep's costume, the coyote would, and he'd prance in and pretend to be a sheep. And then when Ralph would look the other way, uh, he would take off, uh, he would pick up the sheep, uh, run away because the sheep thought he was actually another sheep. And then he'd take off his outfit um, and try and eat the sheep. But often the sheep would then undo its outfit and it would be Ralph and he'd beat up the coyote. In the same way, Jesus warns us that there are people that will come into a church acting, talking like they are a Christian. Let me read it for you in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Jesus says this, Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit, Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you will recognize them by their fruit. Once you get past the exterior of a person, and often we're only looking at the exterior, we're listening to how they talk, we're looking at how they dress, and we see a a nice, well-dressed person, and we make an assumption. Oh, they must be a good Christian. Uh, They speak the lingo, they know the Bible verses. Oh, they must be a follower of Jesus Christ. Not so, Jesus says. No, once you get into the internal, who they really are, once you see them when they don't think you notice the way they talk to their wife or their husband, uh, the way they interact with their children, the way they interact with their neighbors, when you hear about how they are at work, that's when you start to see the fruit they're really producing with their life. Sometimes they're, as Jesus has said, false prophets. They're wolves that use their words. There are pastors in pulpits all across the country right now. They're wolves who have somehow made it into the shepherd's role, and they use words to deceive people. There's also wolves that use position or strength or ability to harm people. Psalm chapter 10, verse 4, talks about this kind of a person. The psalm writer says, In all his scheming, the wicked person arrogantly thinks there is no accountability, since there is no God. His ways are always secure. Your lofty judgments have no effect on him. He scoffs at all his adversaries. He says to himself, I will never be moved. From generation to generation, I will be without calamity. Cursing, deceit, violence fill his mouth. Trouble and malice are under his tongue. He waits in ambush near settlements. He kills the innocent in secret place. His eyes 
are on the lookout for the helpless. He lurks in secret like a lion in a thicket. He lurks in order to seize the victim. He seizes the victim and drags him into his net. So he is oppressed and beaten down. Helpless people fall because of the wicked one's strength. And he says to himself, God has forgotten. He hides his face and will never see. Don't doubt that there are not people in every church, Bible-believing churches too, that say, I don't believe in God. I believe I can get away with this. I'm here to harm. I'm looking for people who I can take advantage of. Sheep, men, women, children, who I can hurt for myself. And God will never see. They'll never notice. There is a movie that every adult, mature adult, should see out right now. It's a true story. Um, it's called Sound of Freedom. And it, and it brings light uh, to the great horrible evil that is going on in the trafficking of children, the fastest growing criminal organi- uh, enterprise in the world. And my son and I saw it, and I think every mature Christian should see it because it is what the enemy is doing as we sit and watch TV and think it's happening over in other countries. It's happening here. So a Christian is not somebody by name. It's not by clothing. It's not by association. It's not by religious acts. A Christian is a Christian. Why? Because they, what? They love God and they love other people as themselves. Jesus said in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. What commandments? Well, most specifically, the two that he says wrap up and incorporate every other commandment. The loving of God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and the loving of other people as yourself. And there are religious people in churches that think they love God, but they don't love other people, and they harm other people. But Jesus said, if you say, or John said, if I say I love God, God, and yet I hate my brother or sister, I am a liar. For what person, for the person who does not love his brother and sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God who he hasn't seen. So we need to understand this. There are wolves, and some of them look and sound pretty good, and you need to be watching out for them. Not paranoid, but precautious. So what is their purpose? Well, Paul tells us their purpose in verse 30. Men will rise up even from your own number to distort the truth and to lure disciples into following them. Uh, a foreign agent or a spy, their, their purpose is to, to sabotage, to destroy, to disrupt, or to distort what is actually true. Some of you may not know, but I actually, for distance, uh, wear prescription glasses. And I, it's actually blurry. If I was to stand at the back and, and look at the letters during a worship, it would actually be blurry. And so I drive, uh, and you'll probably see me with Oakley's outside. Uh, those are prescription. I don't wear eyeglasses inside because my kids tell me I look like a professor. And because of my pride, I can't be seen looking like a professor. So you can pray for me in that. But, but anyways, when I went to the eye doctor, because I go every year, right, if you've sat down and you go to the eye doctor, they put something up on the screen, and then they drop those goggles in front of you, right? And then they start flipping through the little lenses, right? And the idea is that he is uh, slowly bringing what is distorted into a clear view, 
All right? Uh, we understand this, and then that's your prescription, and that goes into the glasses. Well, a, a, a good preacher's job, a, a faithful pastor's job is to, to take faith and, and the view of God and, and that is distorted by the world, by, distorted by Satan, and bring it into a clear focus for you so that you can better understand God and how you're to live your life of faith. That's a pastor's job, a faithful pastor's job. <clears throat> Uh, but imagine if you went into the eye doctor and, and instead of he, him getting a clearer picture for you, he, he slowly just flicks it one little bit at a time. You don't really notice at first and, and until it's totally distorted. And he tells you, oh, no, no, that's actually the way it's supposed to look. That thing that you, you can't see and you look, you ever read it and you're like, uh, G, uh, F, and it's like an A and a Q, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's an A and a Q, all right. That's for sure. And you're like, okay, I must be seeing right. So, too, there are pastors, wolves in sheep's clothing, who slowly over time take the word of God and, and switch it and mix it around and distort it. That's what Paul says their job is. They come in, they gain traction, they get into leadership positions, they gain a, a crowd, and then they distort the truth. All over our country, we have people going to church thinking they're actually following the God of the Bible when they've been so distorted by these false preachers and pastors. And if you've ever, I remember the first time I was like uh, 30, I think, when I had these horrible headaches, and they're like, you should go to the eye doctor. I'm like, I don't need no eyeglasses. I see perfectly fine. And right, and you remember that time when the first time you ever get the, the glasses and you put them on, you're like, whoa. And then you take them off, and you're like, huh? Wow. I really had a messed up, distorted view. That's me. That was me. And that should be you as, as the word of God becomes more and more of alive to you. you. You look out and you see, wow, I really had a warped, distorted view of life and of God and the world. And that is bringing your life under the authority of God. So this has been Satan's mission from the start to distort, distort the truth to draw people away from following God. So when he hatched that plan, and he used those wolves um, in the residential schools uh, to take and hurt those children, what was the purpose of that? To distort the image of who God was. And, and hasn't he done a good job through those wolves in sheep's clothing? People associate what happened in the residential schools with the God of the Bible when nothing could be further from the truth. When those pastors get up and they, they take a verse and they twist it out of context and distort it, what's the purpose? To draw people away from following the God of the Bible to following them for their own purposes. Uh, when people come into churches and, and they, they speak the part and they look the part and they weasel their way into places of position and leadership, why? Because they want to get people following themselves. Why? So they can turn people away from following the leaders and from following Christ and his word. And there are people who, who want to get in and take advantage of vulnerable people, men, women, children, youth. They're there. There's not a, an abundance of them, especially in a church like this, but there are a few. And they're hard to spot. And then Paul's going to warn them. This is the reality, ladies and gentlemen, he says. I know most of you, most of you love the Lord and love other people as yourself. But the reality is there are some wolves amongst you and there are some that are going to come in. 
during this period when Paul is leaving them. And so the warning is to us, Calvary. There may be some wolves amongst you. And you're going to be able to spot them, not easily, but over time, if you, if you look at what they're producing in their life, if, if you see them distorting the truth and trying to draw people away from following the leadership that has shown themselves faithful over the years, uh, from following God's word, and they say, oh, no, we need to bring in new stuff. God's word isn't sufficient. Uh, we can't follow just him. Oh, those leaders, they were good for a while, but, but really... They need to just sit down because I know what we should do. So what do we do? Well, God's answer is simple. It's simple. It's hard for us to accept, but it's the truth. God's answer was to defeat Satan on the cross and then build up a church, a church that is supposed to go out into the darkness and take back the kingdom to build the kingdom of God, to spread the light of Christ amongst the world. That is what we were doing well for a long time, but we lost our momentum a couple of decades ago, and we retreated into our churches, and and we stopped impacting the people around us, and, and we became afraid. We forgot that there is a lion Uh, Not the lion of Judah, but a different lion. A a lion, the Bible says, is Satan. And he's wandering around like a a roaring lion. He's not a whispering lion, a roaring lion. And he's looking to devour, to devour singles, to devour families, to devour children, to devour uh, churches, to devour nations. It's his job. And God says, my answer is my church. My church that that believes and has faith in me, that takes my word as gospel, that actually applies my word to their lives and allows my spirit to come and live inside of them. That is the answer to push back the darkness which we can see crowding in around us. That's why when Peter got it, everyone was speculating, who's Jesus? Well, some say he's Elijah, some say he's John the Baptist, some say he's a good teacher. And Jesus says, I don't care what they say. What do you say, Peter? And Peter says, you're the Messiah. He's like, yes, you get it. You believe. And on this rock, the faith of Peter, I shall build my church. Faith, not Peter, but faith. The same faith that Peter had is the same faith that everyone who is called the church has. The church is not this building. It is not a denomination. It is a believer who actually has received Christ as their Savior and is living and following Him. That is the church. And when we gather together, it could be on the front lawn, it could be in the forest, it could be in a tent, or it can be in this building. But the church is gathered together. And so he warns the church, verse 31, be on alert. Be on alert, church, because Satan's target is you. He wants to destroy this, because if he can destroy this and what this church is doing, then the town goes back to being his. And you got to believe he doesn't like what's been going on in this church over the last eight years. As men and women are coming together, taking God at his word, believing in faith, praying, believing. And we just heard a great witness of how God kept Corey alive. Be on alert. And how do we become a church that's on alert? We become a church of sheepdogs. Sheepdogs. We've got shepherds. They're the leaders. Not everyone is called to be a leader. 
We've got sheep, and you can settle with being a sheep all your life. Uh, we know about the wolves. We don't want to be them, and I hope you're not them. But there is a, a different kind of Christian. I, I call them sheepdogs. Uh, see, the sheepdogs work with the shepherd to protect the sheep and keep back the wolves. The shepherd can't do it on his own. He needs sheepdogs, and they will stand up to the wolves. But you only get to be a sheepdog. You only are matured into a sheepdog. And sheepdogs can be men and women if you take God at his word. If you actually live by faith. If you actually believe in his word. If you actually submit your life to the authority of Jesus Christ. If not, you'll always be a victorless Christian. Do I have a victorless Christian in the house? Where are you, my typical Canadian Christian? Where are you? Can, oh, there you are. Always, always living by defeat. Always the victim. Never able to overcome the adversities of life. Always falling into sin. Always blaming everyone else. Kind of useless. You're good sitting down, but that's about all you do with your life. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you raise your hand for Jesus in the service, and then you go out there and live like everybody else. And, and that's so many Christians powerless in Canada. Oh, woe is me. I've been going to church 20 years. I've never produced any fruit in my life. I'll never get anywhere. Satan always ravages my life. I can't stand against the forces of evil. And so we've become churches monuments. People drive past, look at that nice building. I wonder what happens in there. Well, that's a church full of people who are victorless. But Jesus doesn't want us to be that way. He doesn't want us to always be getting knocked down and never getting up. That's why he writes the church in Ephesus. So now fast forward a few years uh, Paul is in prison. He has been arrested, and he's now writing the churches, getting ready to go to his death, and he writes the church in Ephesus. And I'll, I'll pick it up here in verse uh, 10 of chapter 6, and he says, finally. Why does he say finally? Not yet. Stay down. Why finally? Finally, because this is his final word. So wait, this is a final chapter of his final words to the church in Ephesians. He's never going to see them again, but he has one more message for them. So you know it's important. Get ready, he says. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord, by his vast strength. That's the faith part. That's the taking God seriously part. You can't be strengthened by his vast strength unless you actually believe God is real. And he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the scheme of the devils. The full armor, not the half armor. Uh, half armor just gets you kicked and knocked down again. Not a three-quarter armor. The full armor of God, he says. Verse 12, not yet, stay down. For our wrestle, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of darkness, against the evil, the spiritual forces in the heavens. If you walk only by the flesh, this is what our Christian life will be. Always getting knocked down, never getting up, never being able to take on the strength. And that is why we have so many powerless Christians and powerless churches. But Jesus calls you to rise up, Christian. You are not the victim. He calls us to fight and engage the spiritual forces with spiritual warfare. 
And that is what he calls us to. He calls us to put on the belt of truth. The belt of the truth of God, not the truth as the world says. Then he tells us to to put on the armor of righteousness. That is living by what God's truth is. It's not just saying these things, but applying them to our lives. It's a shield. It protects you from the enemy. He calls you to put on the sandals of peace of the gospel the gospel we we can't spread the kingdom of god unless we take the gospel out there then he calls us to put on the helmet of salvation the helmet of your new identity in christ you're no longer that person that satan can fill their minds and and for most people the victory or the defeat is happens up here and there are so many people full of anxiety hearing the lies of satan and they believe it up here and so their life looks like it. And then he, he tells them to pick up the shield of faith. Why? To extinguish the lies, the fiery darts of the evil one. And then finally, he says the, the sword of the spirit. Now, now, I forgot my sword. I actually packed it away. And so I happened to keep a battle axe in my car for cutting down trees. Um, and so he will have to equip himself with the battle axe of the Spirit, but I, I want you to understand uh, this is God. Obviously, this is spiritual. Uh, we're not actually called on, put on physical armor, but spiritual armor. This is what the, the weak Christian becomes somebody ready to engage in spiritual warfare. And the wolves look at a, a church full of mature men and women taking God seriously. They see people like this and they're like, I'm going somewhere else. This is not a place that I can easily overcome. There's too many sheepdogs in this church. And that's what every one of you is called to be. You can stay victorless all your life if you choose. Or through the power of God, you can become strong. And you can go take your position over there, watching out for the wolves, ready to engage in battle. And we at Calvary take seriously the protection of this church, of the sheep in this church. Now, when I was uh, overseas, we would live in things called forward operating bases, little bases we would set up all over the country so we'd have a presence, like churches. Okay, we are, we are a, a beacon, a light in this town. And we had layers of defense. The, the, the outer layer of defense was our barbed wire uh, with Claymore mines. That was the outer layer. That was to warn us of, of people trying to penetrate into our defenses. Uh, the second was uh, watchmen on the tower, guards at all four corners, watching to see if anyone is trying to breach the defenses. The third was equipped soldiers inside who were always ready within uh, 30 seconds to spring into action. They always had their armor. We always had our kit near us to be able to grab and throw on. And the, the last layer of defense was fast air. Get on the radio and call. We need backup. We are being overwhelmed. And they would send the jets. And so, too, in the church, we have layers of defense. Our first layer of defense is our policy, our guardrails, you could call them, at Calvary. Uh, we have, to protect the children and the youth, plan to protect. It's policy that anyone involved with children or youth go through this training program. They get police checks. They're never allowed to be alone uh, with children. There's always a couple people there, a couple adults. 
We have, um, we have leaderships that make sure that anyone teaching in the church on behalf of the church, I'm not talking about what's going on in their house alone, uh, is teaching from the Bible. They're not giving their opinions. They're not bringing in twisted, weird stuff. That is our first layer of defense, our policy or our guardrails. We have a second layer of defense. It's our watchmen. And we have watchmen all over. If you notice, uh, you'll see security. They're standing at the doors. They're downstairs. Dawn, for years, has stood back there watching for anyone that would come in through those doors to harm those children, anyone who would look to penetrate past that first layer of defense when they see somebody uh, who's the opposite sex taking somebody into the uh, little child into the washroom, their spidey senses go up, and they go in and intervene. We have elders, deacons, staff, Lay leaders, they are the watchmen, uh, men and women. They're, they're looking to protect the sheep. That's our second layer of defense. And, and God calls us to be watchmen. Isaiah 62, verse 6. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All day and all night they shall never be silent. Ezekiel three seventeen. Son of man, this is specific. I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Our third layer of defense is sheepdogs, is you men and women becoming mature Christians who take God at his word, uh, who then say, I'm no longer going to be the sheep that just sits there. I am going to become a sheepdog, and I am going to look to protect and build up. And listen, every one of you can become a sheepdog. There is no reason why you can't. So men, if, if, if you notice as, as you're getting to know people, uh, a man or a woman or, or uh, being taken advantage of by someone else, by another man, it's, it's your job to become a sheepdog, not just say, oh, it's not my problem. No, to intervene, uh, to go and investigate, to understand what is going on here. Ladies, it's your job. If you see a, a woman who, who's coming to the church and and, and she seems to be weaseling her way into a married man's life, and, and she's a seductress, and she's got that Jezebel spirit, and, and she's like a black widow spider looking to consume. It's your job, ladies. We need you to intervene and say, hey, I see the way you're interacting with that person. Not allowed. We need you, women, especially in the days where we live in, where men can be accused without any evidence, and they are guilty. We need you, youth. As you see other youth who are bullying or making fun of or making people youth that are younger, maybe not they're not as cool or they're not as savvy, feel like garbage. We need you to become a sheepdog and intervene and protect that innocent person. The point is, is that all of you can intercede. If you see people building factions in the months to come and they're saying, yeah, we can't trust this church anymore. I need to be the new leader. You need to remember what Paul said in Romans 16, verse 17. I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those who would cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine you have been taught. Avoid them. That's our third layer of defense. And our fourth layer of defense is faith that God will help us, that the Holy Spirit will show us the wolves, that he will bring them out, that God won't be mocked, that he will not allow them to get away with it forever. And so, in closing, I, I call to you, sheep, be on guard, be alert, look to take God seriously, look to be transformed from somebody who's always getting steamrolled by the enemy into a mature, battle-ready Christian. To you, 
maybe wolves in this church. Maybe you think nobody sees, and maybe we don't see. Understand, you will someday be caught. God will not be mocked. He will bring you out. And, and if you, for some way or shape or form, get away with it in this world, oh, you better watch out, because the wrath that will come for all the secret, unrepented things that are done will be far worse than anyone can give here. So you best just go somewhere else because you're going to be found out. And to you sheepdogs, you men and women, let me encourage you in the, the weeks and months to come, be unified. Stand together. Take God seriously. God will build his church. This church will go on and thrive. But be on guard. Watch out for the wolves. Watch out for anyone who would look to destroy what God is doing here. Let's pray, and then we are going to participate in communion together and remember our Lord's sacrifice. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these men and women. Most of them I know pretty well. They love you. Lord, some of them are just caught in a place of feeling like they're never going to come out of these dark places that they're in. They're always going to be the victim. Satan is always going to have his way with their life. I pray they would not believe those lies anymore. That they would know that, huh, that they would remember that, that if God can change that pastor, whew, then he can change me. If he can if fix his life, he can fix my life. And that they would take you seriously, Lord. I, I pray that you would protect us from the wolves, that you would keep them out of this church. And if they are here, Lord, bring them out. Let us see who they are. Lord, I pray that every Christian in here uh, would unify and support uh, the leaders and whatever decisions are made and would continue the work in Gravenhurst, the work that is so desperately needed. We see so much darkness. We see so much of what Satan is doing in this town. And we know that your church filled with the faith in you, is the answer for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon audio. For more resources or to connect with us, visit calvarygravenhurst.com.